This is Managing Mayhem. Presented by Two Lawyers and a Layman. Because good intentions are not a legal defense. Welcome to Two Lawyers and a Layman, but today we are one lawyer down due to some exciting news. Jeff and his wife, Haiti, welcome their baby, Matthew. Few weeks early though. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Welcome, Matthew. Welcome to the world, Matthew. It's a very weird place. Um, so, due to Jeff's absence today, which I still think is a made-up excuse, we're just going to do a quick Q and A with Patty to answer a few listeners' questions. Wait, what? I wasn't prepared for that. I thought we were just pop punting. quiz. Oh my God. Okay, so we'll resume our regular scheduled pod format next week. But for now, we're doing this. Okay, let's get this done. Okay. First question, because I gotta go be with little Matthew. I know we gotta get there quick. Okay, so. Uh, first question is from my HR director, Ben. Okay. Hi, Ben. What's up, Ben? Ben wants to know if his company can prohibit employees from discussing their raises, bonuses, and wages since for them it causes a big headache with people gossiping and getting frustrated. Oh, Ben, Ben, Ben. Okay. So I feel like I'm on a quiz show. You better rip it. <laughs> All right, then I can understand the frustration that you have because, you know, people do, when they compare notes, they get jealous and angry and they don't understand that there's merit increases and reasons why. But actually, there is a federal law, the National Labor Relations Act, and that, ugh, that makes it tough for you because it is a protected activity for employees to, to discuss their wages. Really important that they be able to discuss terms and conditions of employment, like safety, wages, um, to make sure everything is uh, a fair labor practice. Right. So no, I would not prohibit them from doing it, and you should not have a policy prohibiting employees from discussing it. Yeah, it seems like if people want to talk about their wages, it to get to even understand whether they're being paid fairly or if there's any discrimination, let's say a woman is being paid significantly less than a male, then she may get that information from discussing her wages with her peers. Great point. The Equal Pay Act, I mean, unfortunately, even today we're women at a situation where women are only paid 84% of men. You know what that means, Jack? What? I looked that up. It means that a woman has to work... It means it's horrible here. Yeah. It means that you have to work 42 days longer as a woman to get the same pay as a man. And so if you aren't allowed to talk about how much money you make per hour, for example, it really has a chilling effect. Right. And how would you know? Yeah. On, on making sure there's no discrimination. One last thing I want to say, Ben... The National Labor Relations Act doesn't apply to some public employers. It doesn't apply to a few entities. And usually it does not apply for management positions. So we're really talking about your non-management positions. Mm. I'm not going to go deep on the NLRA since this is a pop quiz. Um, but yeah, so let's be short, Ben. Okay. So I think that's good. Um, okay. So we have another question uh -huh. from a, a manager named Daniel. Hello, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Um, he is following up on our Sammy Stoner episode. And he asks, can we search employees or their property for drugs? Okay. And I do want to note, Ben was from Idaho. Daniel's from Illinois. So we're getting them from all over. What a thrill. <laughs> I'm absolutely thrilled. Okay. So... We discussed this in greater detail in the webinar, Are You High?, which you can buy the recording on managementnorthwest.com. But if you're going to want to reserve the right to search um, at all, you're going to have to have a policy in your handbook stating that employees have no reasonable expectation of privacy in items brought onto your company property. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. The next thing is, 
you know, searching your own company property, I don't have a problem with. Oh, also in that policy, you should reserve the right to search things brought on the property. So no reasonable expectation of privacy and we reserve the right to search items brought onto the property. Those okay. are the first things. Um, I don't have a problem searching your own company property. You own it. Desks, drawers. Um, if you're concerned that there's drugs on, on your own stashed. company property. I am more concerned about searching, you know, someone's personal handbag, their computer bag, and especially starting to frisk their person. Mm -hmm. um, unless you're going to have, for example, uh, at the entrance, a requirement that people have to have their handbag searched before they come on for security and they've consented to that as a condition of employment, that's one thing. But I wouldn't, as Daniel, the manager, go up and say, hey, I'm going to frisk you right now and I also want to look in your lunch bag and your purse. If you really believe that there's drugs in there, um, I would call law enforcement and mm -hmm. let them do that. I, I think there's a risk there of, you know, a lot of things. Yeah. You know, assault and battery. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, like, give me your shoes. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not comfortable with that, but I am comfortable with searching company property if you put that in your handbook. Okay. Makes sense. Okay. So this is uh, from an anonymous oh, okay. HR. Um, they say, what if an employee works overtime? and didn't get prior authorization as required in the handbook. Okay, so this person looks like they're from Seattle, right? Yeah, Seattle. Okay, all right. So- And their address is right no, here, no, social no. security number. <laughs> uh, you know, I get this question a lot too. So basically most people have in their handbook that your hourly workers cannot work overtime, over 40 hours without getting pre-authorization, written permission from a supervisor. And the whole point of it is that it's expensive. You pay time and a half when someone mm -hmm. works over 40 hours. But unfortunately, it's not so simple as saying, you worked overtime, it wasn't authorized, we're not paying you. Because under federal law, you have to pay any labor that inures to the benefit of the employer. That's the law. I did inure is not a word I use a lot. It's in the regulation. It's a good word. Uh, basically, what I would do is remember the standard. If a supervisor or the employer knows or reasonably should have known that they perform labor, you have to pay for it. And so I would pay it and discipline the person for not obtaining permission. And I would go through progressive discipline right. with them. Because if somebody just kept saying, oh, here are my hours. I worked 150 hours this week and kept doing it, then they just couldn't maintain that. No. And, and usually you're talking about a couple hours. If someone right. came in with 150, <laughs> I'm going to do a fact-finding investigation to see if this actually even occurred. Right. Okay. Okay. That's enough of that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, and we have one more question that one we're going to address. Yeah. What state is this from? State of confusion? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. It's somewhere in Canada. Okay. Um, no. no. <laughs> it's a different legal system. <laughs> this is from Idaho as well. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, this... Idaho's busy. Yeah. Uh, the question is, what if an employee fails to turn in their timesheet at the end of a pay period? Okay. Can you refuse to pay them for that period until they turn in said timesheet? Okay. The answer is no. <laughs> hmm. That's a clear one. Okay. So federal law requires you to, you, the employer, to strictly track all time that the employee works. A lot of people think with all these timesheets and pay apps and all this, that it becomes the employee's responsibility. Well, you can make it their responsibility from a policy standpoint, but legally the employer has to pay for all time worked hmm. and track that time. So 
If they fail to turn in their timesheet, which a lot of employees do, and it's very frustrating, I totally get that. Right. But what you have to do is reasonably estimate the time you know or reasonably should have known that they worked. You can mm. look at the schedule, you look at the hours they turned in, you ballpark it, and you pay them for that. And then in the next pay period, after they've turned in their timesheet, you can make adjustments, plus or minus. But you can't refuse to pay them all together. That would be illegal. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, I would immediately discipline that employee with a written warning and say, if you do it again, um, it's going to be more severe, such as suspension without pay. Right, because it could just become a bad habit and get people behind and just mess everybody up. Exactly. Okay. Okay. We're done. Thank you, Ben, Daniel. Anon and anon. Anon and anon and from all over. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I apologize that the early arrival of Matthew caused a postponement of our pod. But we're very excited that he's here. And we hope that your week is mayhem free. And we'll catch you next week. Great. See you next week. Bye. Managing Mayhem is presented by Management Northwest and Management Southwest and cannot be copied or rebroadcast without prior written consent. By listening to this podcast, you understand that we, or at least two of us, are lawyers, but we are not your lawyers. Therefore, nothing we say on the podcast should be taken as legal advice or considered to create an attorney-client relationship. It is solely meant for your educational and informational purposes. The podcast should not be used as a substitute for legal advice from an attorney licensed in your state. Please be aware that listening to lawyers can cause side effects such as migraine, self-doubt, and also maybe cure insomnia. But you know what? Trust your own judgment where you're not your mom.